welcome to Ill-Equipped History, where two best friends talk about a thing in history, and we're not equipped to do so. So here we are. And we're doing it in a spooky way. Spooky season. (laughs) (laughs) If y'all don't know, uh, obviously you don't, she can't see me. I am wearing my witch hat because it's putting me in the mood. She is. She's very festive. (laughs) Very festive for October. (laughs) Yes. I've had my Halloween stuff up since uh, mid-September. My kids are loving it. My spooky kids. So, yeah. How are you, Morgan? I'm all right. Yeah, I've had my Halloween decorations up since the 1st of September. So, I beat you. I love that for you. (laughs) Okay, so I saw a commercial the other day that the Spy Kids movie, like they're making a new one. What? Like a new, new one. What? So, I, today... I introduced my children to the cinematic masterpiece, which is Spy Kids. That's amazing. And I have never seen my son sit so still in his life watching a movie. I have a video of it. It's the most beautiful. He quit playing with Legos. And you know that's like his thing. a thing with yeah. him. He quit building his birthday Legos to watch Spy Kids. That's incredible. Congratulations. And then we immediately watch the second one i've never been yes. more proud yes yes the uh the thumbs <laughs> <laughs> a thumb thumb a real live thumb thumb nice going butterfingers <laughs> <laughs> oh zach and i used to roast each other with the one-liners that were in that movie mm-hmm. sure i do diaper lady you're so much better at remembering movie quotes than I am. That's literally all my sisters and I did because we didn't have cable. So we just rewatched movies over and over again and then quoted them at each other for our entire lives. Like Madison will literally say a quote and she'll go, what movie is that from? And we have 10 <laughs> seconds to guess or she judges us. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, and also seven years ago today... Nick asked me to marry him. Oh, so cute. I still thought he was on stage to win an (laughs) award. (laughs) I was so confused. It's fine. It's fine. I remember seeing the video and I was like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, I was not expecting it to be at a Dixie run in front of a. Like a thousand people. Thousand drunk people. It was awesome. (laughs) it's our love life just wrapped into a nice pretty bow huh that's hilarious and then i immediately worked the raffle on the stage (laughs) i remember you telling me that you're like i I had had work work to do after i got engaged i had a job to do i had a job to do i was so sweaty because it was so hot that day and i had been setting up the raffle all day long and then he asked and i'm just like Okay. (laughs) Our six years had come to this. There it is. So listeners, I hope you guys enjoyed our extra special bonus episode that came out last week. Oh my God. I had so much fun doing that. We will be open for questions at a later date. (laughs) Email us your questions and we'll answer them. If you have any questions. And we also have another announcement. Starting November 
the first, we will have a Patreon. You can give us your money. For bonus content, of course. I mean, we're not going to say no to just giving us the money, but we will give you something in return. (laughs) Yes. So once a month, um, we're planning it to be the first Friday of every month, we're going to release a Patreon-exclusive bonus episode for y'all's listening pleasure. And as we continue to get support and listeners, we have some other ideas for future Patreon tiers that we're really excited, and we hope that we can get... uh, yeah. I think I just, I was about to mix up two idioms. Get the ground running. Ball rolling. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> Were you going to say hit the ground rolling? <laughs> I don't know what I was, I think I was trying to say get the ground running. And I'm like, wait, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> There's hit the ground running and get the ball rolling. That, those are the two well, idioms I was trying to mix to combine. But yes. anyway, we're going to do things. <laughs> yes. And the more support we have the cooler things we can do. So all we can ask is please support us so we can go do cool things and report back on it. Yes. We're going to go do cool things. We're going to try to make some cool things. Um, You know, hopefully like later down the line, we have t-shirts that we can offer you guys. We've already started brainstorming some cool designs, maybe some (laughs) other fun things. My husband is already like, Hear me out. He looked like the guy with the string art. He's like, okay, hear me out. We'll buy an airplane and I'll fly y'all to all your destinations. I'm like, hold on. He's trying trying to justify buying an airplane so bad. We don't have the money. I don't know where he thinks we're going to get airplane money from. Y'all just bought a sailboat. (laughs) We were given the sailboat. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. But, but we I mean, do have to fix it, and it does take money. And and I feel like yeah Nick has so many other expensive hobbies with his maintaining the current boat that y'all have and all of your vehicles and buying the new vehicles yeah. and fixing them. <laughs> I'm I'm also the problem because every time he threatens to sell something, I turn into like a goblin, and I'm like, no, my precious. <laughs> You cannot sell any Jeep, any boat. I love our truck. <laughs> Can't. I get mad when he starts selling trailers. I'm like, I liked that trailer. <laughs> Maybe I get too attached. Well, you know that if he got an airplane, y'all would be way too attached to it. <laughs> way. Way too attached. <clears throat> All right. So do you want Should- to... Go ahead and jump in after we're almost 10 minutes into recording. <laughs> I hope y'all like listening to us chatter because we're not going to stop. stop. And stop. <laughs> I know, can't. Okay, yeah, let's let's get into spooky season. Let's do it. Okay. An employee is locking up the historic lighthouse in St. Augustine, Florida. He is finishing up his normal routine at the top of the lighthouse when he heads down the long, dark spiral staircase. As he descends, he is stopped in his tracks by what he hears at the top. What in the world? He goes back up the stairs, thinking he somehow left a child up there. He swings the door open and finds absolutely nothing. 
I, I must be losing it. He heads back down the stairs and once again hears the giggles. But this time, it's from the bottom of the stairs. <laughs> he runs down the stairs to see if he can find the girl. Nothing. He searches every nook and cranny in and around the lighthouse, but still comes up empty-handed. Panicked, he locks up the lighthouse, and as he leaves, he hears it one last time as it fades away. <laughs> this is enough to make him run to his car and get out as fast as he could. Augustine is not only the oldest continuously inhabited city in the United States, but it's also one of the most haunted, and for good reason. Spooky. Spooky. I love how every time you laugh really loud, it's like, I don't know if it's my headphones or your computer or what happens, but it's like you just go silent. So I just see you bagger. <laughs> I was I was giving a terrified scream, and it's like this giant block of blue. <laughs> Something happens, and I cannot wait to hear it. <laughs> Ignore that. I just dropped my phone on the ground. Okay. Anyway, Morgan, I know that you've been to St. Augustine, because we've been together multiple times. Yes. And it's a beautiful, wonderful place, and I highly suggest it to anybody. Yes. But... Do you know the history, the full history behind St. Augustine? I know bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. um, I know we did a lot of like history walks and tours and exploration yeah. of the city when we went, but I don't know the full history of St. Augustine, no. Though I have been there, I don't know. A million times? I'm 30 years old, and Mamaw started taking us when I was six months old, so, like, probably, like, 45. There was one year we went three times <laughs> that one summer. Like, Mamaw had nothing better to do than just to take us to Florida, and I, I mean, I'm here for it, but I was like, I wish I lived the life Mamaw Barbara did, so, or does currently live. She just goes on a cruise whenever she wants to. That's, that's Jealous. So nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I would like to start off by saying that when we talk about St. Augustine, we're going to talk about it being colonized, and I wanted to recognize that the Native Americans, the First Nations people, were 100% here first, and their land being taken away was absolutely horrible and wrong, and I didn't want to, you know, gloss over that fact. Mm-hmm. We know that it was taken. It was not discovered. It was already there. Like, it was inhabited. So, yeah. There we go. Yes. A brief history of St. Augustine as a city. And if you've been to St. Augustine, you definitely know that it has deep Spanish roots. Beautiful architecture, by the way. But in 1513, Spain claimed Florida during the expedition of Ponce de Leon. And you will see his name plastered over 
everything in St. Yes. Augustine. It's everywhere. Um, so the, literally everywhere. Well, a couple of years after Spain laid claim to Florida, the French were like, fuck y'all, I want Florida. And the French built Fort Caroline near what is present-day Jacksonville on the St. John's River in 1564. And if y'all don't know where Jacksonville is in accordance to St. Augustine, by car, St. Augustine is about 30 minutes south of Jacksonville. I had no idea the French were in Florida when the Spanish were occupying it. Mm -hmm. See, I didn't either. And that was threatening the Spanish... The, the Spanish claims to the land. So King Philip II sent Don Pedro Menendez de Aviles, I tried my best, y'all, in 1565 to eliminate the French threat and to establish settlements in Florida. So not only were the French trying to usurp the Spanish claimed lands, but they were Protestant and the Spanish king didn't like that because the Spanish were Catholic. And this was during the Protestant Reformation. Mm-hmm. So it, that it makes all comes sense. Back. That it, all comes, it all comes yeah. back to the Protestant Reformation. <laughs> <laughs> Damn that Protestant Reformation. <laughs> it's so weird how all things lead to just like a handful of things. Yes. It's so weird. So... The Spanish sailed from Spain, and they, at first, they kind of went from the southern part of the coast and went north, ready to attack the French, because they wanted to do it as soon as possible, because the French were having um, reinforcements sent over. And if the reinforcements got there, Spanish were fucked. So, because the Spanish didn't have a big fleet. And the French didn't at the time. They just had Fort Caroline. So the Spanish sailed north, ready to attack the French, but retreated when they realized that the French had a much larger fleet than they did because the French reinforcements had already arrived. They were swift. And they arrived before the Spanish could get there. So they decided, we'll turn around, we'll sail south, to a spot that they had kind of scouted out a week prior, which is now St. Augustine. So they weren't even intending to set up a city there. They were just like, we're going to go attack and I guess take over Fort Caroline and just call that whatever. But they had to come back and so they established St. Augustine. All right. And they named it St. Augustine because they... Saw it on, oh God, what's the, the day they celebrate St. Augustine. I forgot what day, August 28th. Oh, I, <laughs> it's my next line. <laughs> Menendez picked the colony's name because he originally spotted it on August the 28th, which is the feast day of St. Augustine. Okay, so he named it after the St. Augustine. Yes. Okay. It's like creating a, you know, it's not, it's like naming a, a town on Easter and naming it Easter. Okay. Yeah. That's it. I thought it'd be more complicated than that. It's not. <laughs> so, so St. Augustine had two main functions at the time. 
One, of course, to be a military outpost to defend Florida against the French. And two, to be a Catholic missionary outpost. Of course. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. (laughs) Nobody. (laughs) So the French immediately sailed south to attack because they caught sight caught sight of those Spanish and they're like, oh look at that little ass fleet. I'm coming down. We're gonna we're gonna get you. But Mother Nature said, not today, bitch. Because a big ass storm came through, destroyed the whole French fleet. Oh my gosh. And the Spanish were just like kicked back on land, like, sucks to suck, dude. I don't Cool. Mother yeah. Nature did her job for us. Yeah. It's like uh in the Jacobites? Yeah. Like, Mother Nature was just saying, maybe not today. Yeah. Yeah. The Spanish got to thinking, and they realized that Fort Caroline wouldn't be heavily guarded this time. Most of their men were on that fleet. Mm. So the Spanish just straight up, it says march, they just walked. They just (laughs) walked through the storm north. Most of the guards at Fort Caroline were asleep, or just like chilling, and they were not expecting someone, you know, an army to walk through that storm to take over the fort. So they killed most of the inhabitants. This is war. I'm sorry, guys. They literally just walked in and killed more than 140 soldiers. Oh, my gosh. Yep. And it says most of them have been sleeping still since it was in the very early hours of the morning. Most of these men were running out. They, They weren't even... Hardly armed. They were in, like, their sleeping stuff and a sword. Wow. Yeah. So, they took over Fort Caroline. They don't have to worry about the French anymore, right? Not quite. Because when they returned, some local Native Americans told them that they saw some white people walking on the beach about 14 miles south of St. Augustine. And this turned out to be the survivors of the fleet... That the storm had destroyed. Wow. And the chaplain asked permission to spare the lives of the unarmed Frenchmen if they converted to Catholicism. 16 accepted and 111 were killed for not conforming. Wow. That's crazy. Two weeks later, the French commander, Jean Rebault. Sure. Again, I don't speak French. And the rest of the surviving men showed up on the same beach as well. Two weeks later. So I guess they were adrift or whatever. And I'm sorry this gets real shitty. Uh, The Spanish offered them the chance to surrender and the French accepted. So they're like, we surrender. Trigger warnings, guys. The Spanish then bound them all, stabbed the commander to death, and then beat the others to death with clubs and hacked them with axes. Oh, my God. And do you want to know what this stretch of beach is called now? They gave it the name Matanzas, which means slaughters in Spanish. Shit. That's... Where Fort Matanzas is. So I've just been walking around going Fort like, slaughter. oh, I've been to Fort Matanzas. To Fort Slaughters. I feel so bad now. Wow. That's that's awful. Like, it's honestly, that's a war crime. If you attack someone yeah. who has surrendered to you, that is a war crime. 
They were straight up bound. Yeah. Oh, it hurt my heart reading that. And they were surrendering. Yeah. And had it not been for those storms, the French probably would have kicked Spanish ass. Let's be honest here, because they had a much better fleet. Mm -hmm. It was just luck on their side. So that is part of St. Augustine's history. That's at least the founding of it. That's how it ended up in Spanish hands. It is the oldest continuously occupied settlement in the United States. It was established 42 years before the English colonized Jamestown and 55 years before the pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock. All right. Isn't that crazy? So many structures that were built over the years are still around today, which is incredible. It's mind-boggling. Honestly. And are some of the oldest in the state. I'm going to list off a few, and then I'm going to tell you which two we're going to be talking about today. So in 1589, the St. Augustine Lighthouse started in its earliest form. Mm -hmm. In 1695, the Castillo de San Marcos, uh, it was started in 1672 um, as a wooden structure originally. But in 1695, the stone fort was built. In 1716, America's oldest wooden school was built. It is still there. You can go in it. In 1742, Fort Matanzas was built. In 1797, the Cathedral Basilica was built. And in 1888, Hotel Ponce de Leon, which is now Flagler College, was built. And that's right in that little square, right? In the middle of, Mm -hmm. like, the historic part. In the old city. Yeah. 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 So you go across the Bridge of Lions, which is also old as shit. I did not look up how old that (laughs) is. Um, But it's my favorite. And you go over there. The Basilica, the cathedral's just down there. I think it's on, if I'm remembering correctly, I think that's the one that's on St. George Street. Okay. If I'm remembering correctly. So the two we're going to talk about today, I guess technically three, is St. Augustine Lighthouse and the Castillo de San Marcos slash Fort Matanzas. Because those are of the same family of forts. They're just in two different locations. Okay. So So let's get into (laughs) the... So excited. I know. I get to tell my... uh, And y'all... Get ready, because I'm going to tell you some personal spooky experiences that I have had at these locations. So, y'all are in for a treat. Because it's spooky season, we're making it spooky. spooky. As my kids would say, we're doing our skeleton dance. (laughs) They love it. (laughs) So, the Castillo de San Marcos. History. And I'm going to get into some legends as well. Ooh. Ooh. So the English, led by Sir Francis Drake, attacked and burned St. Augustine to the ground in 1586. And that was only 11 years after being established. Wow. Okay. Then they rebuilt it. Then British pirates sacked St. Augustine in 1668. 
So about 100 years later. And then they settled Charleston in 1670. Charleston, South Carolina? And, yes. Okay. And these events made the Spanish decide on building a better, you know, fort. So they decided they needed to build the Castillo because now the British are close by. They've burned our shit twice. So it was just a smaller, like a family of wooden structures. I think there were nine wooden structures before the Castillo was built. So they were like, we need some better shit here. This ain't cutting it. (laughs) So in 1672, they started building the Castillo and they finished in 1695. So it took 23 years. Wow. That's a long time. It is a long time. And it replaced the nine wooden fortifications that had been protecting St. Augustine since its founding. And the Castillo is constructed out of coquina, which is a semi-rare form of limestone. And what it looks like is a bunch of seashells that have been just squished together to make a rock. And it is naturally forming on the shores of St. Augustine and kind of in a couple other places in um, Florida and a very few other places around the world. It is a semi-rare material. And the Castillo and Fort Matanzas are the only two made of this material in the world. Very cool. And it's holding strong. Yes. You can't really. Did that's, you, that's hard to get through. <laughs> that is super hard to get through. Plus, did you know that it had like a plaster on the outside? So it wasn't always just like the... The coquina. The shell. And I remember that. I actually didn't even look this up. This is just from my memory. They were like, we haven't decided if we want to put the plaster back on it. Because, like, do you... When when you go to restore something like that, it, it kind of begs the question, like, do you destroy it by taking it back to its original? Or do you just leave it how it is? I guess that's just a question for, you know, whoever owns... The yeah. property and what like historians say, because either way, um, I think yeah. either are valid. Um, exactly. That's what, you know, it's a double edged sword here because I think they put the plaster on it to keep erosion from happening so quickly. Yeah. Because, I mean, they are little shells and I can see how like the weather, especially Florida weather, would over time start beating away at all the tiny little mm-hmm. shells and wearing it down. Yeah. And those, they somehow got a lot of intricate detail into those, like, stones. And think of all that's being just withered away over mm-hmm. time. So, anyway, we'll, we'll move on. Uh, okay, so the fort's commanding location on the west bank of the Matanzas Bay allows its guns to protect not only the harbor entrance but the ground to the north against land attack. So it was very strategic. And I will post a picture um, of the fort. It, it lo- kind of looks like a star. That's what I'm... Almost like a four-pointed star. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of it, and it does look like... It looks like a... Like a shriken. Like a what? A, a ninja star. It's called a shriken. Oh. 
I may not be saying it correctly. Or sure. I've never even heard anything close to that. I'm I'm most definitely saying it wrong, but a ninja star essentially. (laughs) You're saying it better than me. (laughs) I'm just ninja star. That's. Do you remember that video from Judy like 15 Chow. years ago? Ninja Kid. Please, y'all, please tell me y'all know this video. It's so did old. He throw like, did he throw like a can of skull at someone? Oh, it wouldn't surprise me. What was it, like oh Redneck Ninja or something like that? Mm-hmm. We watched it when we were, yeah. gosh, it was like 2008 or something when we were watching. It's Oof. an old video. It was a rough year. <laughs> <laughs> okay anyway so the first anyway so it's the first battle was in 1702 so seven years after its completion during the war of the spanish secession and in this the british unsuccessfully besieged the fort for 50 days Damn. And if you don't know what besieged means it's to stop people or supplies from leaving or entering the area. And the fort was just, they were like, cool, this is chill, we're fine. And the, the British were like, fine, I guess we'll just leave. Unfortunately, the British burned the town before they left, but the Castillo was fine and was the only standing part of the original city. So this is the third time that St. Augustine has been burned down. Damn, that's such a dick move. <laughs> it is a dick move. They're just like, I'll just kick you while you're down. You're holed up in this fort. Let me burn down everything. Yeah. For the third time. <laughs> for the third time. They really, that, that was just like their signature move, wasn't it? Let me kick you while you're down. So, the Spanish were like, fine. If you're going to keep burning our shit down... We'll build a wall around this shit, too. So they did. They built a wall around the city to strengthen defenses. And it stopped being burned down. (laughs) Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So, once again, the British on their same old shit. But they came down the Matanzas Inlet and besieged it from a different angle. They're like, maybe if we come at it at a different angle, we'll get them this time. (laughs) And after 27 days, the Spanish did not waver, and the British lost the battle again. But the British did help them out a little bit, because it made them realize that they needed to fortify the Matanzas Inlet, so that didn't happen again. So they built the structure that is now known as Fort Matanzas. And Fort Matanzas does still stand today. Like I said, it was also built out of Coquina. You can go take free... They do take donations, so donate. But they will take you over in a little pontoon boat and you can walk around for a while. It's really cool. Yeah, it is really cool. It's very small. It is a tiny little fort. I but. I don't even know how that would be useful in the time of, like, boats and horses. So, like, what do, you, what do you do? See a big boat and then get on another boat to beat the big boat to the fort? How... Who's the messenger? I don't know. I have no idea. Do they light a fire? Because it's far away. I mean, it's like a 30-minute drive at least, right? 
Yeah. And that's on roads that are fairly straight, just following the coastline. On a, in a vehicle going like 60, 70 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. They have horns. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Who, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> maybe we should have paid more attention on those trips. <laughs> we were just playing around like, wow. They have like binoculars. Was my camera, my mm-hmm. camera days. All I was doing was taking pictures and trying not to fall. <laughs> That's all we can do on any given day, right? It's just try not to fall. <laughs> Are we 85? What happened? So in 1763, Spain ceded Florida to Great Britain. So after all that, Spain was just like, fine, you can, you you can, can have, have it. it. But they ceded Florida to Great Britain in return for La Habana, Cuba. Mm. So it was tradesies. Okay. And the British garrisoned Matanzas and strengthened the Castillo like it needed it, though. What are they going to do to improve it? They couldn't even get in. You can't even get in. Okay, so, so holding the two forts through the revolution. So the forts were... On the wrong side of the American Revolution. Which is interesting. But I mean, they were held by Great Britain, so it makes sense. Exactly. I just, I hadn't even thought, it hadn't even crossed my mind. So, then after the Treaty of Paris in 1783, Florida was returned to Spain. Brief note, the Treaty of Paris was signed by the U.S. and British representatives on September the 3rd of 1783 and it ended the war of the American Revolution and it was based on a 1782 preliminary treaty and the agreement recognized the U.S. independence and granted the U.S. significant western territory. The treaty was one of a series of treaties signed at Paris that also established peace between Great Britain and the allied nations of France, Spain, and the Netherlands. That was pulled straight from a source, one of them, because I was not about to... That was perfectly said. Okay, so, yeah. Yes. Sometimes there, there we are. the original source says it way better than you could ever paraphrase it. <laughs> I think it was the U.S. government one that I found. I was like, I need more detail on what this is exactly. <laughs> so... Florida stayed in Spain's control after they got it back until Spanish-American tensions led to its cession to the United States. Okay. So the Americans renamed... They just, like, pressured the Spanish into giving it to them. Like, please, like, it's, a, it's on our, you know, geographical space. Please give it to us. Yes. Give mine. So the Americans renamed the Castillo Fort Marion in 1825. I'm sorry. I'm sure there was a good reason. It's like the lamest name. <laughs> you had the Castillo de San Marcos and you went to Fort Marion. <laughs> My Italian hand came out. <laughs> it Why? Did. It came full out. <laughs> Castillo de San Marcos. It's not even the right. <laughs> Die. 
Italian hand for the Spanish words. It's because you're giving emphasis to it. Emphasis. So, this is some sad parts, and I'm sorry, guys. So, oh. it, it was used to house Native American prisoners during the Seminole War between 1835 and 42. And Confederate troops occupied it briefly during the Civil War and the Natives captured in Western military campaigns were sent there as well. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, so lots of prisoners. No bueno. Uh, It was used as a military prison during the Spanish-American War as well. And then in 1924, Fort Marion and Fort Matanzas were named National Monuments. In 1935, National Forest Service started administration of both locations. And then in 1942, the original name of Castillo de San Marcos was restored. All right. So, there we go. And that's the history. Are you ready for legends? Yes. Okay. Number one, you might recognize this name. Osceola. Do you remember that? Yes. It sounds it's, familiar. It's very, yeah. Okay. So, Osceola was a leader of the Seminole tribe oh. in that area. And I know what you're going to You do? Yeah. The... Okay. Do you know the details um, of what happened to him and why I'm going to say it? It's like on the tip of my tongue. So I remember reading like the little plaque about it in front of the, yeah. the Castillo. But I've never heard ahead. it in such detail before. And I was like, oh, mother of God. Yeah. Okay. It's not a fun story. No, it's not a fun story. Again, trigger warnings. None of these are, none of like the legends or anything are going to be fun because we're talking about hauntings and like most of the time they're not like, it's hauntings. Hauntings are usually following tragedy. Yes. Yes. So, like I said, Osceola was the leader of the Seminole tribe. He had escaped capture before, but those motherfuckers tricked him into being captured by a false truce in 1837. So this was during the um, Seminole War times. Mm-hmm. Americans were in charge of the fort at the time. Yes. I didn't write that down. I just had to double check. So, um, so he was captured by a false truce and transported to the Castillo along with 200 of his men. Big bummer. He had been ill before being captured. He was suffering from malaria, tonsillitis, and abscesses. Oh, damn. So he was in a lot of pain. And Dr. Whedon was assigned to treat him. And the two became close friends. So not long after Osceola was sent to the Castillo, he was then transferred to Fort Moultrie in South Carolina, where he became somewhat of a celebrity. He was a big name. And he unfortunately died 
in South Carolina just three months after his capture due to an infection of the throat. So he died of natural causes. And Dr. Whedon had continued to treat him even though he was in South Carolina. So he made the extra effort because they were friends, right? This is the weirdest friendship. I've, oh, fuck. Dr. Whedon really liked Osceola. And this friendship got really weird when Whedon decided he wanted to honor Osceola. So he cut off his head after his death to keep as a memento. So while preparing the body for burial, he cut his head off and wrapped it in a scarf, took some of his belongings, looted the body. Oh my God. And... And he was supposed to be buried with these things. Yeah, I'm sure the the seminal rites did not involve getting your head removed post-mortem. No, and your shit stolen that probably had value, had a reason of being there. And meaning, yeah. He then... Oh, God, he then placed the head in a large jar of alcohol and displayed it in his drugstore. Ah, that's you know what, Emily. That's how I'm going to honor you when you die. Please, I'm going to cut off your head and then put it in a jar for all. Can you to make see. sure I'm smiling? Just... Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure your eyes are as wide open as possible. <laughs> then attach a string to your mouth so I can make it look like you're talking. Oh my God. Please have conversations with me over dinner. Just oh la, 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 like a puppet. <laughs> oh <God>. Well, oh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> now you know what to do with the podcast if I go. There we go. If I'm missing yeah. conversations with you, I'll just like I'll put my hand in your head like a puppet. <laughs> And I'll just make you talk to me you as I listen to the podcast. You can't say that when I'm drinking. <laughs> and that spewed all over my microphone. <laughs> what am I, a Muppet? <laughs> or a Sesame Street character? <laughs> like what is... A Muppet. <laughs> Put my, he- my hand in your head like a Muppet. <laughs> make you talk to me. Oh my god, this is the worst ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> Happy Halloween! <laughs> Can I be your personal Halloween decor? <laughs> You're they'll right. never know that I'm not. That they'll never know I'm not fake. <laughs> this is my, oh my best God. friend Emily. Okay, sure. Yeah, sure. sure. It really is. Oh my God! It's like in a horror movie when they walk away. My eyes are like following them. <laughs> <sighs> okay. We got to come down from that. That was so morbid. (laughs) (laughs) That was really disturbing. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. No. No. That's exactly the kind of friendship I need. Thank you. (laughs) I got you. Thanks. Thank you. You just want me to live forever. Forever. (laughs) Forever. Okay. Back to Osceola. Who was not okay with this. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Did not consent. So, 
Some believe, of course, that Osceola is haunting the Castillo because of all the traumas. Because the trauma. Yes. Even though he died in North Carolina, some people still believe that he's at the um, Castillo because he's looking for his head. Mm-hmm. And it has been said um, that you can... I didn't even write this down. I just know this in my head that there's a section of the fort where it looks like the plaster that had been like chipping off. Sometimes you can see the shape of Osceola's head and it's really weird, It's very spooky. but you can kind of see it. Yeah. And so some people claim to see unexplained shadows walking around. Some claim to see a headless apparition and some experience unexplained drops in temperature, chills, hearing disembodied voices. And to be devil's advocate, that could technically be any of the people that died or were imprisoned there. That's very true. But it does kind of make for a, a more interesting you know, spooky story if you say it's from Osceola specifically. Yeah. It's like he's coming back for vengeance a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you cut my head off without consent. I'm, I'd be coming back for vengeance. Mm-hmm. At least I know I have consent. That, yeah, you do. A hundred percent. I mean, Nick might not like it, but at least he could come talk to me. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm really making light of this really horrible situation. It's my defense mechanism. I'm sorry. <laughs> Same. That No, that's all I could do to keep sanity while reading these things. And I know Osceola was a real person and that was so disrespectful what happened to him. Yes. I can't imagine like his family knowing that. He's on display at a fucking drugstore. That's Words really just can't describe how depraved that is. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible. And the next one I have titled is just WTF. (laughs) So, okay. So in 1984, not 1984, this had to be like 1884. (laughs) Stand by. That doesn't seem right. It was 1784. Jesus Christ. (laughs) That's really funny. Just a 200 year difference. No big deal. (laughs) I'll get it together. In 1784, Colonel Garcia Marti and his young wife, Dolores, came to St. Augustine to start a new life. Garcia was assigned an assistant named Captain Manuel Abella. So Dolores didn't feel loved by her husband. So you know what she did next. Mm -hmm. She sought affection from the new assistant. And apparently during a meeting, Colonel Garcia smelled his wife's perfume on Manuel while shaking his hand and knew That there was an affair. Oh, shit. By the next day, Dolores and Abella were nowhere to be found. 
Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Garcia said that she had become ill and was moving back to Spain to live with her family and that Abella was sent to Cuba on a special assignment. Doubt. Red flags. Yeah, no. Red flags. Waving. Heavily doubt it. Everyone thought it was strange, but they didn't question it further. I mean, what else can you do? Yeah. Legend states that years later, a lieutenant discovered a false wall in the dungeon of the Castillo, and upon opening it, two skeletons were found <gasps> chained to the wall. Ooh. And they realized it was the missing Dolores and Manuel. Oh, shit. And the hauntings associated with it, it is said that you can smell her perfume, where you have feelings of being watched. Ugh. That's pretty much it's all... Okay. Those, those are... But... Okay. Yeah. But... As a practical person, I have thoughts on this. For one, I can't find any sources that aren't ghost hunter style sites. Mm -hmm. So that's a big glaring red flag right there. I need historically accurate, not that ghost hunter style sites aren't reliable or they aren't, you know, there aren't truth in them. It's just, where's the physical documentation of this happening? Right. Also... How the fuck would no one else notice that a wall is now smaller in one night in a dungeon? On, like, a at least 300-year-old fort. Yeah. Like, I don't think he just got a bunch of coquina and just made a new wall. No. I don't, I don't think he did. So, I'm not putting a lot of stock into that one, but it is a very spooky legend. It's very spooky. Very spooky. It gave me the spooks. The spooks. And then there is another, <laughs> there's another, uh, legend, sorry, this spooks. 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 So, uh, one source, and this is from another ghost hunter style site, but this is a personal account that I found. So one source states that at night, uh, some people were taking pictures on top of the fort, and you'll see how it's kind of set up. There's like a walkway up there mm-hmm. looking down over the edge. And they saw someone walking across the drawbridge, and this was at night. And they were like, oh, well, someone's going to walk in. Let's wait until they've come all the way through until we take pictures so we don't get them in the picture. The person never came through. Ooh. Disappeared. So... The man was just gone. And then they realized they had seen an apparition. And it turns out that many people have reported seeing this person walk across a drawbridge. But never come out the other side. But never come out the other side. Ooh, spooky. I know. Okay. Now are y'all ready for... I literally have spooky in all caps. And my experience. Spooky. Spooky. So, y'all ready for my experiences at the fort? Let's hear it. It's not as crazy as the next one we're going to talk about. But, so, in 2015, and I did talk to Lou about this to confirm that I was not making this up. So, in 2015, Lou and I, it was the year that it was just the two of us that went. We looked like a really nice couple on a honeymoon. (laughs) Yeah. We were just two friends. So we were on a ghost tour and we're walking around the grounds 
outside the fort. They're telling us all the things. I'm rapid fire taking pictures of the fort because that's, at least in my head, the best way to do it because whatever. So I'm taking pictures, taking pictures at random, basically holding this button down. And we're talking like a 2015 iPhone. Mm -hmm. So that's the technology I have. So we stopped and we were chatting and I was flipping through some of the pictures while we were sitting there. And I found one that looked kind of funny. And I clicked on it and I opened it up. And it half the camera was covered in like a mist almost. And it had the vague shape to me of a woman in big skirts. Ooh. Lou remembers it looking more like a monk or robes. Okay. I thought it looked more like a woman. She thought it looked more like big robes. Okay. Both would make sense. Yeah. I mean, because like Catholic robes and Yeah, it was stuff a, like that. It was a mission, a Spanish mission at one point. So Yeah. Yeah. So the pictures and I did look compared the picture before that. Just look like a picture of the fort at night. The picture after that just looked like a picture of the fort at night. So it was just that one that was like smoky weird. And I would love to post the picture of it, but I'm clumsy as fuck and I broke that phone. Oh. And I no longer have it. Oh no. I know. That's I'm how, sorry, guys. That's how it always goes with paranormal evidence. It always gets destroyed somehow. Was my phone haunted? And it was like, no, you can't have my picture. No one else may know. <laughs> Non-consent. I didn't consent to you taking my portrait. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. And you know what's funny is I didn't even make the connection with... Because I didn't know the legend of, like, Dolores. Yeah. Until I was looking for information for this podcast. And I was like... Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's my spooky story at the okay okay are you ready to get in the lighthouse let's do the lighthouse okay time machine back to 1589 thanks for that i knew you were gonna make that noise okay (laughs) so (laughs) the spanish built multiple wooden watchtowers as lookouts so what is now known as the saint augustine lighthouse was the first and most northern of these watchtowers. And it was also the first permanent aid to navigation in the continental United States. Oh, cool. Isn't that cool? Very cool. So, in 1737, the wooden watchtower was torn down and a new structure was built out of Coquina. It remained like that until... After the Seven Years' War, between 1756 and 1763, when the British defeated the Spanish and took over the island. Now, if y'all don't know, the the lighthouse technically sits on a small island that's connected to St. Augustine called Anastasia Island. So when I say island, just know that the only thing that really makes it an island is the fact that it's got like the... The inlet on one side, the ocean's on the other, and you have to go over, like, a bridge to get to technically St. Augustine. It's all, like, the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, the British added 30 feet 
of wooden structure to the top of the watchtower and added a signal fire, making it the first iteration of a lighthouse. So at first it was just a watchtower, and then they added the 30 feet and fire to make it a lighthouse. In 1783, about 50 years later, um, the British, no, I'm sorry, about 20 years later, the British lost to the Americans and the lighthouse like I said before, was briefly returned to the Spanish along with all of Florida in the Treaty of Paris. Little changed during this time, and the Americans took control of the lighthouse again in 1824, and it was then deemed the first American lighthouse. So, during the Civil War, Confederate sympathizers sabotaged the lighthouse in order to block Union shipping, it remained non-functioning until after the war was over in 1867. And at this point, the sea level was rising and they had to tear down the original structure at the original location and move it more inland. Okay. Thus, the current lighthouse was being built between 1871 and 1874. Okay. And... It stands 165 feet tall and has 219 steps. And if you are not in shape, those suck. Yeah. Uh, they're very yeah. steep and narrow. <laughs> and they just and go and... Windy. Yes. I was just I was just doing the motion with my hand. Very windy. And only like three windows. Yeah. Do you remember, like, we would stop at those windows and stick our heads out just for a breeze. Yeah. Yeah, there's no AC in the lighthouse. No. So it continued to be maintained and upgraded until 1980. So in 1955, the lighthouse became fully automated, eliminating the role of lighthouse keeper. Mm -hmm. In its place, they put a position called the lamp lighter. Oh. So I guess someone that went and just like flipped the switch. That's such a cute name, it, though. I know. Lamplighter. Hi, I'm the lamplighter. <laughs> I'm the lamplighter. And that, it didn't require people to live on site. So they rented out the big house. How freaking cool would it be to be like, oh, I'm just renting the lighthouse house. <laughs> I was just thinking the lighthouse house. Yeah, the no. Lighthouse house. And I'm looking at this black and white picture and it's, I mean, it's a beautiful house. Oh my God. It's gorgeous. So in the 1970s, after being vacant for many years, so someone rented it for, people rented it for a while, but in the 70s, it had sat vacant for a long time. The house burned down mysteriously. Mm. And it completely gutted the home. Oh, wow. So St. John's County, which is the county that St. Augustine's in, bought the shell of the building that with the intention, excuse me, the disrespect of tearing it down for safety reasons and to build condominiums. No. Yeah, fuck off. But that's one thing Florida does not need more of. It's condominiums. Oh, seriously. <laughs> but... A group of 16 women 
in the all-volunteer junior service league of St. Augustine stepped in, raised $1.2 million over the next 15 years to restore and renovate the Keeper's House, which is a nicer name than the Lighthouse House. Yes. (laughs) The Keeper's House. And they restored the Lighthouse Tower and the original Fresnel Lens, which I think... Um, it was a feat never before accomplished fixing that kind of a lens. Wow. And cause I think it was like handmade in France. Okay. If I remember correctly. And only the basement of the house is original, but they re- if you look at the pictures, they look almost identical on the outside. So they built it to how it looked before. Yeah. Which is super cool. The building was then added to the National Register of Historic Places with the help of a local historian, writer, and longtime lighthouse advocate, Karen Harvey. And the museum opened in 1994, full-time, and has been open ever since. It's almost as old as me and you. (laughs) Hey. Hey. Okay. Are you ready for a tragedy? I may know what tragedy you're speaking of, because I know I do know a little bit about the history of the lighthouse. Okay. Another trigger warning, y'all. This one involves kids. So just, if you don't want to hear it, hit that skip 30 seconds until you hear spooky stuff. Okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Hezekiah Petit came to oversee the building of the current lighthouse structure. He lived on site with his wife and children, Mary Adelaide, Eliza, Edward, and Carrie. There was a railroad cart that would bring supplies from the dock to the building site. And the children would often ride this down to the water because that's what kids do. Yeah. It's like a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster. Roller (laughs) That nice roller coaster. And I think if you look at, you can see like the old picture of the lighthouse. Mm -hmm. You can see the dock right there. Yeah, it's really close. It's close. Yeah. So on July 10th of 1873, 15-year-old Mary, 13-year-old Eliza, 4-year-old Carrie, and an unknown African-American girl who was 10, rode the cart down to the water's edge. Unfortunately, the piece of wood that kept the cart from going into the water wasn't there, and the cart flipped into the water upside down. A worker was close by, but by the time he could get to the girls, three of them had drowned, and only four-year-old Carrie survived. Which is literally heart-wrenching. Yeah, I literally... I cannot imagine... The, the shivers Oof. I have all down I know. my body. Yeah, it's so sad. My heart hurts. Oh, my God. So the construction site and the town shut down for the next few days to hold the funeral service. The petite girls were laid to rest in their home state of Maine. And no one knows where the unknown girl is buried or even what her name is. So that's also that's really sad. sad. It sucks. I hate this. So, 
hauntings associated with the girls. Now, remember, the only original part of the, of the main house is the basement. So, apparently, it's not uncommon for psychics to contact the staff of the lighthouse um, and just to tell them random things. And one told them that the name of the young African-American girl was either Ellie or Eleanor. So, I guess she felt that. Okay. Don't know. Um, and it's also been reported that they like to play hide and seek and other games with visitors of the lighthouse. So I got some really cool stories about this one. So one night a staff member was closing up the lighthouse tower by himself. And this is our opening skit. He heard giggling at the top of the tower. So we went up to make sure he didn't leave anyone up there when he reached the top no one was there. On his way back down, he heard the giggling from the bottom. And once he reached the bottom, there was no one there. Spooky, spooky. Spooky. So, a woman on one of their ghost tours was standing at the bottom of the metal staircase about to ascend the stairs. She, When she went to take her first step, she found that her shoelace had been tied to the staircase. And, I mean, we're talking about a circular room that's probably, what, 10 feet wide? Maybe, On yeah. the inside? Maybe. Tops. And there's nowhere to hide. It's no. not like a, an, a, a person could be hiding under the stairs. There's, you can see through the stairs. They're like yeah. just metal slotted stairs yeah there's no hiding there's nowhere to hide in that room it's completely open nowhere so yeah that's spooky huh it's very spooky on a different tour a woman had an emf reader which is electromagnetic field if i'm remembering right um in the basement in the original part of the house So she asked the spirits of the girls if they wanted to play hide and seek and the meter immediately spiked. The woman searched the basement and the meter finally spiked again under the metal stairs. Oh. She exclaimed that she had found them and asked if they wanted to play again. The meter spiked again and they did the same thing. She walked around looking for them it spiked again next to the children's play table and then another group came downstairs and the readings stopped yeah oh i know they're playing i know so also this one trips me out so many years ago in the middle of the day a guest was exploring the maritime hammock trails which are beautiful by the way They're like walking trails, lots of tropical style plants, and they've got information and stuff like that. And she came across a young girl in Victorian clothing, sitting on a bench and reading a book. She began to ask the girl a question, but another group walked by and distracted the woman for a second. And when she looked back, the girl was gone. Spooky. So spooky. So, in another ghost tour, a woman approached another woman to compliment her on her daughter's behavior on the tour. The woman then stated, she didn't have a daughter. 
Then the first woman explained that there had been a girl standing next to her for most of the evening. There had been no children on the tour that night. Oh, Oh my God. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Other hauntings. So the man is a tall shadow person who is associated with the smell of cigars and wears a blue jacket and a mariner's cap. He is often seen walking his route up and down the spiral staircase or seen from the catwalk at the top of the lighthouse. So he was a a keeper at some point. He was a keeper. So because of his thin, tall frame, some believe he is the ghost of William Russell, a lighthouse keeper from the 1850s. Others think it could be Joseph Andrew, who fell from the scaffolding in 1859 while repainting the lighthouse. And then we have the woman on the catwalk. Sounds so scary. So Maria Mestre de los Dolores. Ooh, we have another Dolores. I didn't even think of that. That's weird. Was the first woman... She's already a badass. She was the first woman to serve in the United States Coast Guard in 1859 and also became the first Hispanic American woman to command a federal shore installation. Hell yeah. The lighthouse. Hell yeah. Go Maria. She was the wife of Joseph Andrew and she took over after he died Mm -hmm. from falling off the scaffolding. And was known to look over the catwalk to where her husband had fallen to his death. Aww. Which is very sad. Aww. This is all making me so sad. I know. I'm sorry. I'm not used to having sad ones. (laughs) It's your turn now. No. (laughs) So, a local leather craftsman in the 1960s rented the house, the keeper's house, And claimed that he woke up to a girl standing by his bed. Mm -mm. And when he blinked at her, she disappeared. Oh my god, no. I would die on the spot. Just be like, no thank you. (laughs) My soul has left my body and has joined the little girl. (laughs) Nope. So then there was a lighthouse keeper named James Pippin. And he was the last keeper to live in the light station. And that was the keeper's house. Mm-hmm. So he heard footsteps upstairs multiple times. And shortly after moving into the house, he moved out of the house and into a smaller coastal lookout building that had been built in 1941. Stating that, quote, that big house was haunted and he would not stay another night in it. <laughs> Don't blame him. <laughs> Don't blame him. Okay, are you ready for the grand finale? I've been waiting for my it. story. I've been waiting for it this entire time. Okay, listen. I'll tell y'all the full story. If you promise not to come at me, I was seven when this happened. I'm telling you my experience. Okay? She, she almost didn't want to. She texted me. She's like, should I tell the whole story? And I was like, do what you feel comfortable with. I thought about cutting it off, but I trust y'all, our friends, listeners, don't come at me. (laughs) 
when shit gets weird. Because it gets weird. Okay? I'll defend you. Thank you. (laughs) So my brother and I, and I think my mama and uncle, were in Florida on one of our many trips to St. Augustine. And it was, I was about seven years old. And we went to the lighthouse knowing that it was going to be closed because this, it was, the sun was down and we were like, well, we could just walk around the grounds. This was 2000 at the earliest. Mm-hmm. So we're walking around just kind of looking and I think Zach pissed me off or something. So I kind of wandered off on my own. Not surprising years. at all. Thanks brother. And this is all your fault. I'm just kidding. And <laughs> So I'm wandering around and I kind of see something out of the corner of my eye. And we're standing in front of the main house. So the lighthouse is on the other side of the house from us. And what I see is what I think, because it hadn't closed long before we had been gotten there. What I see is what I think is an employee walking around the main house to my left and walking towards me with a light. I'm expecting a guy to be like, y'all can't be here. Because it looked like a full-ass dude. And so I'm just like chilling, waiting to be told we need to leave or whatever. And I'm looking around and I look back at him and he's closer and he's walking holding an old-timey lantern and that's red flag number one because who in late 90s early 2000s uses an old-timey lantern unironically yeah or not without a costume involved exactly so i'm like well that's kind of weird and he gets a little closer and he's not really seeming to recognize that i'm there he's just kind of doing whatever he's doing he's just walking and I'm like well that's kind of weird and the closer he gets the worse I feel about this and I finally look back over and he is so close to me and then I realize and as a child I thought he was wearing like old military army style uniforms from like civil war style uniform And then I'm like panicking because I'm like, this is not making sense at all. I just remember like blue. I remember like a cap and lantern. And I'm like, shit is not, no. So I I need to get out of here. But I'm seven and probably one of the dumbest seven-year-olds you have (laughs) ever met in your fucking life. Because instead of turning my body and running away My panic brain makes me run backwards. Like, I don't want to take my eyes off of it. So I'm like... And guess what happens? He fucking catches up to me. Like, that's what happens. Duh. Apparently, full-grown ghost men are faster than seven-year-old girls running backwards. (laughs) And this is where shit gets weird. Because nothing explicitly bad happens to me he doesn't like attack me he just continues walking which means i'm in his path and this motherfucker walks through me and when i tell you that i saw a kaleidoscope in my eyes 
blacked out for a second, opened my eyes, laying on the ground. That's exactly what happened. I mean, literally, I saw bright colors, woke up on the ground to my brother being like, the fuck are you doing? Obviously not at like eight. He wasn't saying the fuck, but. Yeah. I can just imagine his voice going, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> like, seriously, <laughs> that's what happened. I think he was the only person that I told. And then we never talked about it again until like, I am a 30 year old adult now talking yeah. about it for like the first time. And I've told a few people now, but going back to what my brain thought it was, I thought it was because of my very limited knowledge. I thought it was like a civil war soldier. When we went back and toured the museum again, Morgan, I realized that's just a mariner's uniform. They had the cute little hats and, like, the uniforms. And I'm thinking, if it was something, if my seven-year-old brain didn't just... Hallucinate wildly. Hallucinate very vividly um, on something like that. It must have been one of these, like, William Russell or James Andrew, who have been reported to just be doing their duties after death, because he didn't even seem to recognize that I was there. He was just... Just walking. Literally walking with a lantern, and he didn't acknowledge my existence. And I'm just, like, still, like, oh, God. It's very spooky. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for being brave and sharing your spooky story. You're welcome. And y'all, please tell us your scary stories. I want to hear them. I don't want to feel alone in this shit that I've experienced in my life. Share. Share them. Tell us. You can email them if you're not comfortable, like, putting them on social media we will not share them with the world unless you want us to, like, read your story or something and we can keep your name out of it or whatever. But, like, tell us. Tell us all the things. Yes. We love hearing from you. Yes. Speaking of which, are you, are you, was that the last of it? Or did yeah, you have more to that tell? Yeah, that was it. That was, that was, nope, that was. That was very spooky. But when you're saying, so. you know, that we did have some e- people who are listeners who emailed us that we want to shout out. Um, we'll only use first names because I know privacy is important. Thank you to uh, Kimberly, Sean, and Chris, or Christopher, for reaching out and emailing us. Um, I know the first two was a long time ago, but we read your emails and we appreciate you guys emailing us. And thank you all so much for being listeners. It makes us, like, literally explode in happiness. And I mean literally. Yes. Not figuratively, like literally we, explode. Every time we get like an email <laughs> or like a really nice comment, we're immediately like screenshotting, texting each other like, oh my God, someone loves us. <laughs> I feel like fireworks are going off in my chest. I'm so excited. Yeah. So thank you guys. Um, it may take us a while to see it because it's on the ill-equipped Gmail. We don't, I, it's not connected to my phone. So I just usually happen upon it. <laughs> It. Oh, I'm like, oh, I'm there's an email. Horrible. I am one of those chaotic people that has like 
probably a hundred thousand emails I haven't opened no. between like four different email accounts. No. And I'm sorry that I am like this. I do try really hard for the ill-equipped one. I want to keep that one clear of my shenanigans, <laughs> but my personal ones, dear God. I don't think it helps that I get like four or five emails a day from my daughter's school. Oh, like gosh. a day. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. They need to chill. <laughs> well, thank you, Emily, for sharing that very fascinating history and spooky stories of St. Augustine. You're welcome. It's only my favorite city in the world. So if I were to ever disappear, just know that I'm there. Okay. Yeah, you can find me there. Yeah. Easy peasy. I can I can so, figure it out. Yeah. I've been there yeah. two, what, two or three times? Uh, at least twice with me. Yeah. No, more than that. Yeah. I think we went I in high school. No, I didn't go with you guys in high school. No, but you were there when Zach and I were about to get in a knockdown drag out over Uno. Maybe. When Lou came to. Yes. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. We were fighting on the balcony of the condo. Because it was, well, I think it was three times. Because I, was that the same trip that your son was there? Or was that a different one? Yes. Okay. Yes. And um, I don't understand how Zach won like three games in a row. I swear to God he was cheating. It doesn't make sense. Uno and Monopoly will tear families apart. You're really good at Monopoly, so you've won every single game I've ever played with you. No one wants to play with me anymore. It's not my fault that I keep winning. There was one time, it was an ex of mine, the three of us were playing Monopoly. And, you know, like, I'm competitive, but I'm also, like, it's a game. Like, I will play being mad. I'll fake being angry, but it's not serious. You know, I'm just Oh, I will shit talk like everyone else while I'm losing. Like, yeah. And I, you know, I'm like, oh, how dare you? You suck. You know, it's just, it's, it's not personal. I'm just being funny. But my ex, like, literally flipped the board because Emily was winning Monopoly. And we were just like, okay. I mean, just be better, bud. Just be better. (laughs) 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 If you want to beat me. I'm not I'm not gonna hold back because you're a grown man baby. Like Yeah. No, it's just a game. Not happening. Yeah, is it frustrating to lose? Sure, but it's just a board yeah. game. It's all one that, that you're losing. Mm-hmm. So get mm-hmm. over it. <laughs> I also lost. <laughs> like, listen, do you know that that's about the only thing I'm good at. So like let me have it. <laughs> yeah. You can have Monopoly, that's fine. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Oh gosh. All right. Uh we have we have some more announcements to make. Yes. Do we? We already said about we, the Patreon. Yeah, we talked about the Patreon in the bonus episodes. Was there more? Emily has to check her list because we're both forgetful bitches. <laughs> Whatever this was gonna be is lost to the ether. It's just the dash. I wrote nothing. <laughs> Also, the top of my notes just says mom. (laughs) 
mom remember these things about the podcast mom okay <sighs> okay i guess we've yeah uh november 1st patreon be on the lookout for that we'll share it to our socials yeah. every friday every first friday of the month on patreon is going to be when we drop our bonus content uh don't have affairs with your husband's assistant don't don't do that bricked up in the fort um and also don't break up your spouse in a fort (laughs) yeah don't break you know what i feel like he's the villain here for sure like just divorce that's fine yeah that's always an option you don't have to murder don't murder and if you couldn't besiege a fort the first time just don't it's really Don't, funny. Stop burning down cities. That will come up in my episode next week oh, because we are connected forevermore. I am also I going to be covering so an ancient fort. Well, it's not a fort, but it's been used defensively in military campaigns and is the most besieged castle in Europe, I believe. Nice. So. There's got a connection there and has some ghost stories attached to it. So I have a, uh, a little fun side story and I'm really proud of myself. My little history buff brain. Okay. So our friend's dad was at my in-laws yesterday and he was talking about him and his wife's adventures in the UP, Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Okay. And apparently... They went to Mackinac Island, and I was like, isn't that the one that had, like, the fort and all the soldiers on, and now it's really haunted? (laughs) And he was like, what? And I was like, hold on, let me Google it. It was, like, in the 1700s. There were, like, 1,200 soldiers there, and I'm like, why Why do I know that? (laughs) Because he got a little history brain. He was like, there there is a fort there, and I was like, yes! I'm just laughing at, isn't that the one with the fort and the soldiers? <laughs> and he was like, what? It's like, you know, there was like a military outpost there. You're going to have to be more specific. They were everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I had it. You did it. Yay. I'm so proud of you. Thank y'all. Okay. We are at over an hour and 30 minutes. So, do you want to? Yeah, let's wrap this up. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Okay. Uh, We'll see you next week. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.